Chapter 32 The oppressive fog and rain continued for days, but at last the wind settled on the east and drove them on steadily. Each morning, Topper stomped his way to the quarterdeck and craned his neck back to appraise the gray sky. He'd spit on his finger and hold it into the wind and proclaim, I'll be out of this suit before you can slap me and call me bald. Had anyone ventured to slap him or call him bald, however, they'd have done so without any interruption by the fulfillment of his prediction. But at least the wind had settled on a direction, and though they couldn't see where they were going, they were moving east, ever east. Finn had grown fond of Pelly's cooking despite Armand's hope of the cook's poor taste, and she'd given him a standing order to deliver a breakfast of two eggs and a plate of griddle cakes each morning before the first watch. The ship had not exactly been a bastion of fine dining in the past, so the simple pleasure of a good breakfast each morning raised Finn's spirits and helped keep the gloomy weather from soaking in. The first time Pelly had served her his delectable griddle cakes— Finn, who was no stranger to the ways of the kitchen, had been fairly baffled. In all her time apprenticed to Bartimaeus, she'd never learned any way at all to cook griddle cakes without milk. When she questioned Pelly on how he managed it, he let on that he'd smuggled a sow aboard and kept her in the hold for recipes where a little milk might be of use. The chickens needed someone to keep them company anyway, he explained. Finn didn't care for griddle cakes the following morning, but eventually she admitted that she missed them and didn't care if they were made with milk of the pig-squeezed variety or not. The smell of cakes and eggs woke her up, and as she languished in her hammock, Finn followed the sound of Pelly's footsteps as he clomped his way out of the galley, up the companionway, across the deck, and stopped outside her door. Her mouth watered for a taste of what her nose had already been enjoying, and she climbed out of the warm hammock to start the day. After two knocks on the door, Pelly entered, and set her food on the table. Oh, morning, she groaned. Pelly grunted an unimpressive reply and turned to leave, muttering complaints about rats in the stores as he went. He let the door bang closed behind him. Good to see you too, Pelly, she said as she drowned her breakfast in cane syrup. She took a bite and listened as Topper arrived on the quarterdeck and proclaimed once more that the end of the ill weather was nigh. A volley of groans and shouts for him to clam up followed and Finn imagined the eyes of twenty sailors rolling in unison. She chuckled to herself as she devoured her second griddle cake and savored it in delight. It was nice to be the captain, she mused, at least for now. Less so at times, naturally, but at breakfast it seemed a good thing. She listened to the business of the ship go on through the walls of her cabin and enjoyed the pleasure of having nothing to do and no one to require her attention. She ate her food in lazy delight until she heard a rumble deep in the ship, a sound like a boulder rolling around in the hold. She stopped mid-chew to listen closer. She could just make out a bit of shouting, too. Then she distinctly heard a hatchway bang open and the sound of footsteps running across the deck. In burst Nut, breathless and panting. Jack! was all he managed to say. He bent over with his hands on his bony knees and tried to catch his breath. Finn dropped her fork and jumped up. What is it, Nut? Is Jack awake? Dr. Thigum, he's gonna hurt him, said Nut between breaths. Finn didn't like the sound of that. If Thigum had done something to hurt Jack, then she was going to have him taken care of once and for all. She rushed out of the cabin and flew down the ladder. There was a gaggle of crewmen crowding around the hatchway into the surgery. Finn ordered them to move aside so she could get through, but no one heard her over the squabble at the door and the ruckus inside. 
She wriggled her way between the men and got into the room with no more than a few accidental elbows to the head. When she saw what was going on, she realized what Nut was trying to say. No one was going to hurt Jack. Jack was awake, and every inch himself. But he was dead set on visiting hurt upon the doctor. Thigum cowered at the far end of the room with a chair held out in front of him like a man trying to fend off a wild animal. Jack was on the floor struggling to stand up. He grabbed a stanchion for support and hauled himself upright. Then, balancing on his good leg, he hopped around to face Thigum. The doctor's face was white with terror. Jack let out a roar and hopped his way across the room. Normally the sight of Jack howling mad and roaring would have been terrible to behold, but the roaring and the hopping didn't go together quite so well as the usual roaring and charging. Finn burst into laughter, and Jack halted his hop and turned to see who had dared to laugh. Finn clapped her hands over her mouth to stop the laughter and tried to straighten her face. She failed miserably and burst into laughter again as Jack stared at her. Where's my leg, Button? Thigham, not sharp on his timing, took the opportunity to explain. Sir, your leg was, uh... He didn't get far. Jack hopped back around to face him and snarled, Where's my leg? As if the doctor might produce it out of his pocket and reattach it. When the leg wasn't produced, Jack resumed his hopping. Just as Thigham was within reach, the doctor yelped and leapt past him. He ran to the opposite corner of the room and cowered. Jack tried to spin around to catch the little man as he scurried past, but lost his balance, flailed, and fell to the deck with a thunderous crash. To the great misfortune of the crew peeking in at the doorway, they erupted into laughter. To the great misfortune of the crew peeking in at the doorway, they erupted into laughter. As Jack pulled himself back to his feet, or foot, he scowled at the men in the doorway and the laughing abruptly ceased. Those men who were smarter than the rest took the opportunity to go about their business and clear out of the doorway. A rumbling sound, familiar to Finn, started in the depths of Jack's mountainous chest and worked its way into a curse as he hop-charged the door and bowled ten men into a heap. Jack, let me explain, cried Finn, but he was beyond listening to reason. He pulled himself up from the deck again and looked as if he was about to kick the man in front of him until he realized that kicking didn't work so well with one leg. He flailed his stump back and forth and resumed his cry of, Where's my leg? Jack, Finn shouted. He started another wild hop charge in her direction. Finn crossed her arms and raised a defiant eyebrow, then sidestepped and tripped him. Jack crashed to the deck amid an irate spew of curses. The rest of the crew scattered out of his way while he got upright and hopped at Finn again. Once more, she stepped aside, nonchalantly stuck her foot out, and sent him tumbling back to the deck. Finn bent over him and said calmly, We can do this all day, you know. Or you can gather your wits and be happy to see me. Jack emitted a growl as he got up and charged her again. Out went her foot, and Jack stopped at the last moment. He glared around at the surgery. The crew was standing back as far as they could, staring in rapt silence at the wakened giant. Finn smiled to herself. Few of them had ever met Jack, and they were being treated to a marvelous first impression. Jack pointed to one of the men. You there, hand me that oar, he growled. The man's eyes widened in fear, and he looked to Finn to see if she might tell him otherwise. Well, do as he says, she ordered. The man plucked an oar from the bulkhead and cautiously approached Jack. As soon as the man was within reach, Jack snatched the oar from him and turned it handle down to use as a crutch. The man scurried back to his place. Ah, what are you looking at? 
bellowed Jack at the crew. Finn ordered them back to work and motioned Jack toward the captain's cabin. He snorted and limped his way up the ladder, violently shrugging off all of Finn's attempts to assist him. Topper stood next to the door and grinned. Good to see you up, Jack. Jack grunted and shuffled into Finn's quarters. He settled himself into a chair and propped his oar against the table. So you don't remember? asked Finn. She sat down and Topper filed in after. Jack scratched his beard with one hand and tested the feeling of his shortened leg with the other. Remember what? Misplacing my leg? No, I'd say that plane slipped my mind. He patted his other limbs down and checked his extremities as a man would after discovering he'd lost his purse to a pickpocket. Ain't nothing else missing, is there? Just the leg, said Finn. You should be thanking the doctor instead of trying to kill him. He saved your life. And just what did he save it from? asked Jack. You lost the leg to an English musket ball, but we didn't have a doctor to tend it. By the time we met Thigham, the leg was soured and you were nearly dead of a fever. Thigham had to cut the leg again, but he seems to have saved the rest of you. So it was the English that took the leg, huh? Jack cocked one eyebrow into the air. One of Creech's lot, said Topper. And where's Creech? asked Jack. Dead. Finn and Topper said it in unison. Well, good riddance. Thought that damned beady-eyed doctor was one of Creech's cronies having sport. Jack relaxed and then started laughing. Slowly at first, and then building into a great belly laugh. Ha 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 ha! You should have seen the look on that one's face when I woke up and found him poking around where my leg ought to been. He threw his head back and laughed so hard he lost his breath and threw himself into a fit of coughing to get it back. It didn't take much imagination for Finn to know exactly how the doctor must have reacted. Jack remembered everything up until he and his leg had parted ways, but recalled nothing else up until the moment he had opened his eyes to find Dr. Thigham examining him. Finn related their current situation, and he listened quietly, grunting now and again. She couldn't read enough of his face to tell if he was pleased or angry about the deal she'd made with Captain Bettany. When she finished her explanations, they sat in an awkward silence until Jack proclaimed his judgment. Bugger! was the sum of his opinion. No hurry, Jack, but the ship needs its first mate when you're up to it. Topper's filled in fine, but he hasn't quite the knack of it like you do, said Finn. Aye, too much scowling about for my taste. Never been the sort to scowl, said Topper. Finn sat upright in her chair in excitement. Oh, Topper, go find Tillum and see if he's got the leg ready. The leg? asked Jack. I told the ship's carpenter to make you a new one. Ought to be done by now, she explained. I don't suppose you saved the old one, huh? asked Jack. Finn hadn't really thought about it. What exactly did a doctor do with a part of a leg after amputating it? She imagined Thigham tucking it away into that bag of his, and she shuddered. Uh, it don't seem right not to keep it, that's all I'm saying. Jack shrugged. The breakfast that Jack's waking had interrupted sat on the table, growing cold. Finn pushed her plate across the table, and Jack tore into it like a man starved, which of course he was. Finn stuck her head out the door and hollered for Pelly to cook her up another breakfast. By the time she made her way back to the table, Jack was licking the plate clean of syrup and managing to get most of it in his beard. When Pelly finally arrived with Finn's replacement eggs and cakes, she gave them to Jack as well. While Jack finished his second breakfast of the morning, Tillum presented himself in the doorway. He thrust his chest out impossibly far and held what Finn assumed to be the leg tucked under his arm. Tillum reporting, Captain! That the leg? she asked. Aye, Captain. He marched in and placed his creation on the table. 
It was a thick trunk of oak, hollowed at the top end, hinged at a knee that looked to be made out of a modified pulley block and carved into a rather convincing foot at the bottom. See, I bowled out the top bit here so as you can put your, uh, well, uh, the stump in and cinch this belt up round your shoulder to hold her tight. Carved her out of a fine block of oak. And while she's a mite heavy, I reckon you're a heavy one yourself, so maybe it'll fit about right. The knee here, he rapped on it with his knuckles, she'll bend just like your old one, and I rigged her up with an arresting block so she can't bend backward the wrong way, because that might get folks looking at you funny, huh? He chuckled, but Jack didn't seem amused. All you got to do is give her a little kick, and that leg will bend and swing just like the one the Lord made. So the foot there, I'm right proud of that one I am. That oak's hard as a stone and bugger all to carve, but I fit her to your boot, and she's a match, sir. Tillam's grin was as wide as his whole face, and he repeatedly pointed out the workings of the leg to make sure everyone saw and understood the quality of his craftsmanship. You expect me to wear that bloody thing, balked Jack. Tillam's face sagged. Oh, come on, try it on, Jack, Finn said. She jumped up, snatched the leg off the table, and knelt in front of Jack, offering him the open end of the leg. So much as a smirk, and I'll beat you with it, Jack warned. He scooted forward and settled his stump into its place. It fit snugly, and covered his thigh up to a few inches south of the hip. Stand up so we can strap her on, said Tillam excitedly. Jack stood and leaned on the table, not trusting the leg to hold his bulk. Cautiously, he shifted his weight onto the wooden leg, wincing each time it shifted in a way the appendage wasn't happy with. Finn and Tillam threaded the leather strap around his shoulder and back down to the backside of the leg and buckled it tight. Jack tested it, rocking back and forth, shifting his weight around, trying to find a comfortable set. As Finn and Tillam backed up to get a good look at him, he ventured a small step forward and had to catch the table to keep from falling. He shot a warning look at Finn to make sure she hadn't dared to laugh. She managed not to, but only just. He kicked the leg back and forth, and the lower part flapped like a merchant's shingle and creaked loudly. If I don't oil up this bugger, they'll hear me coming a mile yonder, he complained. But when has anyone not heard you coming, said Finn. I think it looks quite impressive. Good job, Tillam. Tillam beamed. Hi, Captain. Thank you. Jack attempted another step. He kicked the leg out and set it down. Then he let go of the table and with a grimace shifted all his weight onto the new leg. He lurched forward and blew out a long breath of relief as he put his hand out and leaned on the bulkhead. Had he been bald, naked, and two feet tall, he'd have looked exactly like a child taking his first steps in the world. Finn finally gave in and laughed. Jack shot her a stony look. Your day's a coming, Button. He took another step and pinwheeled his arms to keep his balance. You'd have to catch me first, Finn pointed out. By noon, Jack had nearly mastered his new leg and was making rounds of the deck, growling at anyone who looked at him with too much curiosity. His gait was a pronounced swagger, first kicking the oaken leg out to let it flop to the deck with a loud creak, and then throwing his weight on it and bringing his hulking body forward. Creak, clomp, creak, clomp. He was certainly going to stand out in a crowd. But then, Jack Wagon had always stood out. <laughs>